Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Hope you've enjoyed your week. If you've been on spring break with your kids, I hope it's been a good time and you've survived all that. Well, I'm glad to be here. I just love being part of that worship. And we're just, you know, at Crosstown, we're going to kick up the worship even a little bit more. And you say, well, what do you mean kick it up? It's like, we just want you to feel free to just worship God with all your might, with all your strength, with all your soul. And, and so maybe if you're new here today, you're like, well, those people are moving around a little bit too much up on stage. Um, you know, we're going to do a lot more moving around in our place, okay? I'm not looking to run it around here crazy now, but, but the idea is like, if this is the thing that we are most excited about, if this is our future, our hope, if Christ in us is the greatest thing that we can experience, then I gotta be a little bit more excited about it than I am the New England Patriots or the Clemson Tigers or anything else in life. So let me just encourage you, just, you know, just, we'll just grab a whole bit more. So let me just say, let me get into this because I'm really excited about today. Um, God really just opened this up for me personally. This is something that's been going on with me. And uh, Sunday we talked about letting the power of God and the power of Christ's resurrection help revision your life. Uh, we learned that the resurrection is God's invitation to reconnect you to his best future for you. You know, not your best version of your life, that's kind of pop culture, but rather to connect you with his best future for your life. And it just comes down to whether or not I'm gonna trust God and whether or not he's got better ideas about me than I have about myself. And so the resurrection is a demonstration of that. So I've been, you know, focusing on things in my life and, and, and focusing on that. And, and I shared with you last week about my vision for my family and that we used our stimulus money and that this is the vision. This has not happened yet. This, this is not in my backyard yet, but that's my vision. And my vision is not a pool. I'm not a big swimmer, uh, but my vision is time with my grandchildren, time with my children, time with my, with my friends uh, to just you know, live life in the foreground not so much worried about what's going on in politics, what's going on in the world around me. What about COVID-22? I mean, because there probably be, will be a COVID-22. I mean, I'm just gonna tell you. I mean, they just name it for every year and it's gonna be like the flu and it's gonna you know, migrate, mutate, you know, whatever it's gonna do. And you know, I can focus on that stuff or I can decide that, okay, but, but what about you in your life? What are you going to do? And it's like, I'm gonna put it in a pool. I'm going to get an above ground, cheap above ground pool and I'm going to fill it up with water and I'm going to tick off all my neighbors and, and put this ugly pool in my backyard because I am going to vision spending time and imparting life to my family and to my children. But, but I learned that you can't just do that. That's not how it happens. But rather we learned last week that it has to connect with power. It has to be connected to something bigger than itself, something that makes the whole thing happen. And the resurrection of Christ invites me. It's God saying, dude, come on, come on. Let's get back to life. Um, let's get her done. Let's, let's live life. I was on a boat this week, went fishing and the name of the boat was get her done, you know, and it was just like, this is, this is just incredible. But that's what God's saying to our lives. It's like, let's get her done. And it's like, well, how are we going to get life done? How are we going to turn our marriages into something wonderful? How are we going to work on our families? How are our dating relationships going to progress into a great marriage? How are we going to uh, adjust as a culture and survive and, and move forward? It's like, because we've got to connect to power. We've got to connect to the resurrection of Christ. And a lot of the times that we, 
we, we look at life, we look at the background. And we focus on the background. And, and I said last week that I left the background like that because if you're waiting for the background of life to change before you live life, then it will never happen. The background of society, the background of, of whatever's going on in the world around us will never line up. And if you're waiting for that background to change before you get happy about life, before you start living life, before you start visioning life, then you'll never get about the business of living life. So today, we're going to focus in on the idea of collaborating with God in the foreground. Even though we live in a broken and uncertain uh, background. So if you've been around Crosstown for the last year, and this is, none of my sermons are, are just uh, uh, rhetorical. Um, they are all things I live through. I, I just live through them five minutes before you do. But I live through these things. So, that's, so what I'm about to talk about is something that I had to experience myself. If you've been around Crosstown, I, I had an event with my back and some other body parts that have really just kind of changed my life, changed my habits, my hobbies, my self-image, all the things that I relied on. So all of a sudden, my, my background started to get bad, you know, and, and I wasn't able to do the stuff that I used to do, boating and kayaking and, 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 and mountain biking and all that stuff that I like to do. All of a sudden, it just disappeared. And so I went through that period of about a year, year and a half of just just weeping over my life. You know, being a 62-year-old man who's broken, can't do what he does, and all his self-image was wrapped up in, in doing stuff, and I don't know why it was wrapped up, and I really wasn't any good at any of it. It's not like I was like a professional mountain biker or anything, but, but I got caught in my background. And then as a result of the pain, my background and, and my foreground just became the same image. And I basically lost me in the middle of it. And so God was really speaking to me. He's like, you know, life's not over for you. You know, you've got to take a look at your foreground. So I found a new, I really believe God just said, listen, you know, in the tree, in the garden, there was many trees that you could eat from. And he's like, so that tree, you're not getting fruit from that anymore. Okay. So well, there's another tree over here in the garden you can eat from. And so like, okay, I'll go over to that one. And it was photography. I was like, so I bought a camera and started getting into photography. So I, I love taking pictures of wildlife of all kind. Now, this is one of my photos here. I, it, you know, if you're a photographer out there, I know, you know, photographers are so snooty. I mean, it's just like, but if you're a photographer out there, I love this photo and leave it alone, okay? Oh, you could have corrected this. You know, well, go correct your mom or whatever. You know, it's like, just leave my, leave my photo alone. So, uh, um, but that's wildlife. I mean, you see these birds all the time, but have you seen that bird in the foreground before? Have you ever seen it up close? Did you know its eyes were that color? I mean, it's just absolutely. Here's another form of wildlife. Uh, let me show you this other picture. Okay, that's another picture I got. That's the wildlife I want in my pool. That's my grandson, Christopher, upside down, jumping into his pool. And I was playing with shutter speed. It was my first time understanding what shutter speed does. And, and, I, and I caught that picture. And it's just like, you know, it's like, you know, I never saw that part of life on my mountain bike. Then I caught this picture the other day. And that's my little Ireland. And she's just absolutely precious. You know what the great thing is? I'm going to cry. <laughs> Such a sissy. Uh, I'm a baby boomer. I can still say sissy. Um, is, is that that if you look at her eyeballs and you look at the little part, you see me in there. 
And that foot, that's the scripture in Isaiah that says that we are the apple of his eye. It actually interprets in the Hebrew, we are the little man in his eye. And so it's like, uh, so it, it's absolutely a, a beautiful little picture. And um, so all of a sudden begin to find out that I got some stuff in the foreground that I need to be focusing on. So in the world of photography, I, love, I learned about this thing called bokeh. Um, it's a Japanese word. So if you're a photographer here and you want to correct me, about how I'm pronouncing bokeh. Uh, until you say it in the original Japanese, you're not saying it the right way. So we're gonna go with bokeh. And, it, and it's, a, it's a word that has really deep meaning. In Japanese, it means blurry. That's all it means. It means blurry. But the iPhone, I think it was the iPhone uh, 9, maybe the iPhone 10 and some of the Samsung products began to deal with the, this issue of depth of field. So that you could begin to um, take a photo and focus on something right there and, and then everything else in the background goes blurry. And it's kind of a really cool effect. The NFL started using it last year. If you watch a lot of games, you might have noticed that there were some times when they were down on the field following a player, all of a sudden the, the bouquet effect would take place because they updated some of their cameras to be able to do this. There's a lot of things that are a lot of moving parts in photography. Oh man, this the the, uh, the focus plane, there's, you know, there's this thing called the circle of confusion and, and, and it's really interesting. And then you gotta figure out how far that your eye can be in focus, five millimeters and all this other stuff. But, but in the middle of it, that w by using correct focus and understanding depth of field that you can begin to create um, more beauty in the foreground by actually blurring the background, okay? This is an interesting concept. Uh, let me show you this picture, uh, this other picture, okay? This is not one of my photos. Uh, I can't take credit for a photo that's not mine, but the picture on the left doesn't have the bouquet effect on it. It's, whoever took the picture just pretty much, I don't know, focal length and all the other stuff got involved here, but it, it, it just kind of just flattened everything out. So what we actually see is that those vines that are behind her that are dead and that that uh, 1992 Crown Vic in the background, uh, you see it there and it's like, but then just by making a simple adjustment with the use of, of the camera and blurring the background, all of a sudden the woman's beauty begins to emerge in the picture. And all of a sudden, it, you, don't, you don't even notice the car. It's not like we're pretending that the car is not there. We're just putting the car in its proper place in, in our lives, in the picture. And so what we're going to be learning about today is this bouquet effect that God actually invites us to live with, to stop focusing and flattening our lives based upon the background of our society and the things that are going on around us, but rather beginning to look and discover and focusing on what God's doing right here in your life and beginning to discover the beauty that's all around us if we're willing to partner with God, if we're willing to collaborate with God and to allow God to begin to bring focus back where it needs to be focused. Because I think sometimes we lose focus on the good things in our lives because we focus on all the, the we, you know, I, I would say from a camera thing, we allow autofocus. And an autofocus for me is a real pain. Because then you're telling the camera, and there's a bunch of different ways to autofocus, but the camera now begins to search and pick. Uh, now, you can limit where it searches and picks, but all of a sudden, you know, you want to take a picture of that bird flying, and all of a sudden, it focused on a tree. And I think a lot of us are in a process of autofocus. 
We're just allowing society and events around us to determine what we're going to focus on. We're not controlling the lens. We're not controlling it. We're not, we're not zooming in on what God wants us. We're not creating that depth of field that is, that is necessary to f- discover the beauty. And so maybe this has happened in your marriage. I've been married like, I forget, it's like 33-something odd years. And, and, and some of those years, that marriage just, my marriage has just like kind of flattened into the background. Raising kids, paying bills, doing life together. You know, maybe I'm, I sound like I'm describing your marriage. And, and sometimes it, it just seems to flatten right into it in the background. And there's a picture of you. But, you know, the crown vic is standing out a lot. And the, the vines, the pain, the loss, the struggles, all that. And, and for, for a lot of us, we have lost the beauty of life. We've, we've kind of collapsed into the background of what's going on around us. We're hiding in our homes even if we've been vaccinated. Okay, let me just tell you, that's insane. Um, We're focusing on politics and cultural upheavals. We're dealing with depression and anxiety about the present and the future. We're stirring up our family's despair by listening to Fox and CNN News and their perspective on life. We're focusing on the secrets of, uh, I'm not even sure, K-A-N-O-N, Q-A-N-O-N, QAnon, whatever, whatever that is, is a, you know, whether you're positive for it or against it, but we're focusing on it. It's like, well, what the heck is wrong with us? Uh, we're focusing on the ends of times. We're speculating on, on mutations of the virus. And now I'm going to say something that's going to be very strong, and I'm saying it completely in love. And maybe it's not even for here, maybe it's for people that are out there. Because, you know, there's millions of watching today. And so, so maybe somebody needs to hear this, or maybe you're here and you need this reaffirmed. And I'm going to read it the way I wrote it because I tried to write it as kind as I could. If you are a Christian and you are out here today or you're out there today and you're not going to get vaccinated because you think somehow it's related to the mark of the beast or that you think that the vaccine is going to turn you into that dog from the Will Smith movie, I Am Legend, then you have collapsed into a dark background. I welcome any prophet, scholar, pastor, who is in any way teaching you to come contact me at paul at crosstownchurch.com to present your biblical evidence that you have a right to scare the crap out of God's people for no reason at all, okay? And if you're falling for that stuff, if it's a lie from the pit of hell, okay? And I'm gonna begin to lay out some scriptures to you that, so if, if you're worried about the mark of the beast and the vaccine, oh my gosh, we thought the, the mark of the beast was going to be the social security number. My parents were, you know, it's like, yeah, they were. And then the typewriter was going to become the mark of the beast. And then the computer was going to become the mark of the beast. They, you know, it's like, yeah, but they're going to inject a chip in your system. They don't need to inject a chip in your system. They know you won't part from your iPhone. They're, they could track you anywhere you're going. It's like, what are we scared of? But we're being told, we're being presented a background and to focus on the background. Do you think this is the end times? It's like, I don't know if it's the end times. I mean, it's, it's the end times for me. I mean, if I live to 85, it's, the world's going to end for me in 20 years, okay? I'm in my end times right now. 
but to focus on not getting a vaccine because I'm afraid of the mark of the beast, I challenge you, bring me your biblical evidence, okay? And maybe I can help you go through the scriptures and find out that you really have none. And maybe you've collapsed into a, a narrative that's not biblical. Uh, so, um, the way that I was supposed to present that, <laughs> this is a scripture that says, uh, you who are spiritual restore such a one with a spirit of meekness and gentleness. So I hope that was as meek and gentle as I possibly could do it. But you know, crazy stupid. And, and, and I'll tell you what, when it becomes biblical crazy, that's stupid crazy. And my job is to, sh is to shut that down, okay? So God wants us to collaborate with him through his word and his spirit and, his uh, and live life in the foreground. So the scripture tells us the story of a man whose life could have easily been over and destroyed because the background of his life was terrible, okay? I mean, it just was terrible. Uh, but instead, he decided to collaborate with God in the foreground of his life. And you may be familiar, it comes with out of Genesis 37. It's the life of the patriarch, Joseph. Joseph was um, one of Jacob's sons and and let me just tell you, let me give you a little summary of his life. He was one of 13 children. Now, I'm one of, one of eight children, and I know that that's a pretty big background to stand out in. But he's one of 13 children. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, there was 12 sons of, uh, yeah, well, there was a daughter involved there. See, and, we, and girls matter in this church. So he had a dream about the greatness of his life. God gave him a vision and dream, and for a lot of us, he wants to give us a vision and dream about our lives. He wants to restore what he wants to do in our lives. And he had this incredible vision and dream, but yet the background of his life began to change super fast, as it often does, and it went a total different way. Hatred, he was hated by his brothers, betrayed and abandoned by them. He was sold into slavery, he became a victim of sexual abuse. He was then falsely accused and imprisoned for a sexual crime that he did not commit. He was used and forgotten by others and left in prison. The background of his story is one of abuse and rejection. Now, I could see how easy it would have been just with one of those things to just collapse into the background of victimization or loss or brokenheartedness and, and to be justified to let my life not go any further. And Joseph could have done that, but he didn't. Now, I, sure, I know some of you may know the end of the story. It's like, well, Pastor Paul, you need to read the whole story. He became the second to only Pharaoh in Egypt. He saves Egypt and Israel from famine and he is restored to his family. And you may even quote the review of Joseph's life when he says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You know, but you're forgetting what goes on in the middle of this story. His choice to thrive in the middle of the foreground of his life. When he was in prison, when he was a slave, when he was lied against, how he responded in the foreground of his life began to set up his influence into the background of his life. See, too many of us want to have influence in the background of life. We want to be a big deal. You know, we want to, we want to make an impact. We want to do it. It's like, okay, you want to make an impact? Well, Jesus says, start in Jerusalem, then Samaria, then Judea, 
and then the other most parts of the world. I mean, that's, it's like make, start right here in your foreground. Start, start with your family. Start with your wife. Start with your children. Start in your dating. You want to have a background of an incredible marriage? I tell you how you get there, because I have one, is that you, you date, you bring God into the foreground. You do dating uh, with the intentionality of God. That's, I, I've had one bad marriage, and I know how that dating relationship went. And then I had this other amazing thing that I had, but the dating relationship was different. I brought God into the foreground of my dating relationship. So let me encourage you. And the reason why at the end of the story that Joseph can sit back and go, you know, guys, you meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. You know, kind of a big picture background thing is because in every foreground experience he found himself, he brought God and collaborated with the power of God. He didn't wait for the right job. He didn't wait, you know, uh, for the right person, you know, that's going to make their life to complete them. Or he brought God into his foreground, no matter who he worked for, whoever he was in relationship with, whatever the circumstances, good or bad, he brought God into the foreground. And he just allowed the background to be there, not ignoring it. But I'm, I'm going I'm to provide some blur here. You know, I'm going to let God... Bring God into my foreground. I'm not going to focus on what my brothers did to me. I'm not going to focus on what, what uh, Pontifer's wife did to me. I'm not going to focus on all that. I'm just going to do what God has called me to do right here in the foreground. It would have been easy for him to focus on, on the, the events of his background. One day I'm going, to, I'm going to be great. Or I'm going to make my brothers pay for their crime against me. Or I might as well just give up. Or I must be a reject and therefore I'm just going to collapse into the background. See, it changes because he collaborates with God in his foreground. And that's what we need to be. We need to get out of the background. We've been in there for like 18 months. We've been stuck in the background. Social media does that to you. Uh, all the way that all the information that we get, I mean, it, it just kind of, you know, I'm all of a sudden involved in a rescue story of a kid that's fallen down a well in Russia, and I'm anxious about it, though my rope doesn't reach to Russia. You know, all of a sudden I'm involved in injustices that are happening around the world, though I am not in a place of power to affect that injustice. Now I'm involved in everything that's going on and what this person tweeted out and how he needs to be canceled and, and this woke person over here. And it's like, oh my gosh, what, what's America coming to? It's like, hey, just get life right in the foreground. And if you put enough foreground victories together, maybe God will trust, trust you with altering the background of America. You know, it starts, that's why one of the side notes of the qualifications of being a pastor or an elder at a church is that it's funny, Paul talks about it. He says, you've got to be able to manage your own family. It's like, because why should we trust you with managing the house of God if your wife hates your guts? If your kids can't stand you? Why are we, well, because I'm gifted. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I need to know that you got success in the foreground. That's why when I hire, I always, it sounds kind of creepy when I phrase it this way, but I will always look into the eyes of the wife of the person I'm, I'm about to hire or the spouse of the person I'm about to hire. Why? It's because if they're failing with their spouse, if I hear stuff come out of their kid's mouth, it's like, I don't want them managing the church of God. 
If they're failing in the, in the foreground, I don't want them controlling the background of other people's lives. So God wants us to have victories here in our lives. In every individual chapter or photo of Joseph's life, you see him focus on God. So let me just read you a, a couple inspirational verses that I used for myself to kind of get me out of my 62-year-old depressed, um, uh, like mourning myself. I mean, I really was. I, I, Alan uh, helped me a lot. He, all he had to say, he said, you're in you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome. I mean, you're, you're mourning your own death and, you ha- and you're still alive. And, and it's like, that's exactly right. You know, uh, the dude that I thought I was was, and what made me a man all of a sudden died with my injury. And it was like, I went into this, this weeping time. And so these are scriptures that God began to bring me out of my collapsed background and bring me back into the foreground that there were so many cool things around. Listen to this first one, Luke 9, 59. And Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, permit, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Like, is Jesus just callous? Is he just a jerk? He's like, no, no, no. He's just saying, listen, the next step in your life does not need to be determined based upon the bad event that happened in the past. It's like, we need to move on in the foreground of life here. We can't be living too long in the background. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back with a background mentality, always focusing on the background, always focusing on the injustice, always uh, focusing on the crime, always focusing on the failure, always focusing on the death, always, I mean, we can focus on, we can auto-focus on anything, can't we? And he says, man, if you're going to keep looking at the background, we're never going to move anywhere in the foreground. Jesus wasn't being ugly but he was trying to get them to readjust. The background's real, but it doesn't need to be as clear as what's going on or focused on as much as what's going on in the foreground of our lives. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. I love it. He's not talking about failing to plan for, the, for things for tomorrow, but rather focusing our lives on the speculations of tomorrow. And he's like, why are you focusing on that? I thought you were trying to take a picture of this bird right here. I thought you were trying to improve your family right here. Why are you focusing on, on that so much? You need to be in this day. And that's the foreground. That's what Jesus, instead of saying foreground, Jesus uses day as a, an example in photography that in this day um, that he's talking about being in this particular moment. Psalm 131, one, and this one was really important to me, especially during um, election stuff and, and, and all the stuff that was going on in the world. And David said, oh Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters, or in things too difficult for me. And it's like, wow, we've lost that ability to decide 
hey, listen, you know what? I can't fix Biden. I can't fix Trump. I can't fix this. I can't fix that. And I can, you know, and you can walk down the street and have an opinion about what it, what's wrong with America and what America needs to do and what we need to change. And you can have two chowder heads talking to each other about what would make America this and what would make America that. And, and it's like, okay, all right, all right. And David's like, you know what? I just decided that I wasn't going to focus on these matters that are really not in my sphere of influence. Okay, I cast my vote in November. We're not going to get another president until four, three and a half years from now. Okay, so I'm not thinking about the next president. Okay, that's, that matter is just too great for me. It's like, and I'm especially not thinking about it if I'm failing in my marriage today. I mean, if, if you're having arguments about politics and your marriage sucks, your focus is all wrong. Matter of fact, I don't even want to hear it. You know, uh, okay, I'm sorry, that wasn't very kind, but uh, okay, let me go into this. I remember I said photographers get kind of haughty. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like a photographer right now. Uh, uh, listen to this. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. Where, where? Did everything change in America for David? Did everything change in Israel? Did everything get better? And he's like, no, like a, Winged child against its mother's breast. Okay, against its mother. What's that? Foreground. He's like, I decided to put my head right here in the foreground. I decided to put my foot. He said, my soul is now resting in the right place and focused on the right things. He says, surely I have composed and quieted my soul. Please don't miss that. This is your responsibility. Okay, don't ask God for the peace of the Holy Spirit when you're surfing the web, looking at every, every conspiracy theory that you can find, you know, made up, whatever. I mean, it's like, he said, I have composed my soul. I have quieted my soul. And over the last 18 months, it's been hard to find, at least in the background of life. You, you haven't found quietness in the background of life. But if you collaborate with God in the foreground and rest your heart there, okay, all right. Now, please do not confuse me as somebody like, like an ostrich sticking our heads in the ground. It's like, no, I need some foreground success to give me background impact, okay? I need, I need this success here. And, and too many pastors that, that do what I do, isn't it funny how pastor's kids always turned out screwed, out, screwed up? You know, or pastor's kids. I just heard of a prominent pastor, a worldwide pastor, and, and everybody loves his books and saw his stuff. I just saw a YouTube video about his son. His son hates his guts and hates God. He's a screaming atheist and has a podcast on atheism and all that stuff, and it's like, it's like, what the heck happened? Well, it's, I don't know, but I can tell you what happens a lot in ministry is that we're so concerned about the church, we lose our families, okay? Because we become so numbers-focused, so success-focused, so church-focused. Let me just tell you what. The moment I start losing my family as a pastor, I'm out of here. I ain't losing my family for no church, okay? I'm not called to be, and I don't have to lose my family to help the church, as long as I keep my focus in the right place. 
David said, like a weaned soul, like a weaned child rests against its mother, my soul is weaned within me, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forward and evermore. And then this is the greatest one for me. And it's so simple, it's such a small verse. If you're, if you're here, and I'm gonna particularly say, if you're a dude and you're here, and I know that you're, you know, you look at your watches more often than anybody else in the auditorium, but if you're, and you probably read your Bible less just because we're kind of like ADD and we, you know, it's just the way dudes are. We don't like reading books. And, and the, the guys that do like uh, reading books, they're called doctors, okay? So, uh, um, but, but, but if you're like me and you don't want to read a lot of stuff and I want to read the story of Joseph, let me just read you this one sweet little verse it comes out of Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Okay, now here's the part about this verse I never saw before until I read it again to prepare for this. It's like, to be glad, I know we focus on that. No, focus on the phrase, in it. See, some of us aren't even in this day. We're in some future apocalyptic day or some race war day or some from financial collapse day or or whatever, you know, we're, we're dying day based upon an MRI. I know what it's like to get caught in another day. And, and, and he's like, no, no, you need to be in this day. Be glad in it. And, and what's being glad in this day? It's being in the foreground. I heard one speaker say it this way, is that we need to master showing up. Just need to master showing up. The average dad spends 30 minutes a, uh, a week, 30 minutes a week with his kids. 30 minutes a week with his kids. You know, and I just, when I heard that statistic, I'm like, oh, because you know, I'm talking to kids and they're involved in more porn now than ever at the age of 12 and sending pictures of themselves here and there and, and all these other things that are going on. And that's like, man, what's wrong with this kid? And it's like, well, no, his, their dad is in a background someplace else, his career background. And it's like, his dad, her dad thought 30 minutes a week would do the job um, to raise a child. We have gotten caught in the background of work and the future. Too often we want God to show up to change our future, but we do not show up to change our present. And David said, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is what you got here. This is, you know, it's like, yeah, but what about in four years? Will the Republicans regain the house? Will they regain? It's like, and the Lord's like, hey, this is the day that I've made for you, okay? I need you to have a right attitude in this day. We'll call that gladness. I need you to show up and be in it. I need you to be in it for your son. I need you to be in it for your daughter. I need you to be in it for your, your husband, your wife, your co I need you to be in this day, not the one that you keep looking on and the web. Master showing up. But what about the background? Well, focus and collaboration with God in the foreground just may change the background. Joseph's victories began to cascade 
it was amazing. He did, he, he, was a, he was a really good servant. And it was like, wow, it cascaded him up to, to have, you know, uh, influence. And then all of a sudden he got lied against and victimized and then they threw him in prison. And he's like, well, then he became a really good prisoner. And he did a good job there. And, and then all of a sudden it cascaded and then he got forgotten and left in prison. And, 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 and then all of a sudden it cascaded into something else. He became Pharaoh's right-hand man. And then that cascaded. But what, what? It was a chain in a series of foreground victories. And then he had the position to affect the background of culture. The background of each of our lives is important to God. Your pain, your loss, your victimization, God can heal and restore all those. But not if you're staring at them. Not if that's all you're focusing on. This is the day that the Lord has made. And you may have a hundred reasons not to be glad, but God says, I need you to step out of all those reasons. I know what your dad did to you. I know what your spouse did to you. I know what culture did to you. You know, I, knew, I know what those white people did to you. I know what those men did to you. I know what society did to you. I know, but I'm gonna need you to come into this day and experience joy by collaborating with my Holy Spirit. I need you to be in this day. And then if we can get a series of victories together in the foreground, I'm going to turn you loose on the background. We need to, we need to have beauty back in the, in the foreground. And that's what God's inviting us to. Well, what about my children? What about America? What about all that? I love, I'll close with this, Joshua 24, 14. He was snarky like me. He said, to the people of Israel. He said, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that you serve beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Your background stuff. He's like, you need to turn away from that background. You need to serve the Lord. And if it's the evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve this day in this moment whether the gods your father served in the background region beyond the river or the gods of the, in the background of the Amorites in whose land and background you dwell. And then he says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. It's like, you may think, you know, I think it was like, well, as a pastor, I'm, you're a man of influence, Paul. You know, you're involved, you're on the, the uh, committee for fixing flooding in Charleston and the mayor calls you about flooding stuff and, and you're, you're this over here and you're this over there. And it's like, nah, nah, not, not really. Um, the only place I really get to make decisions that matter are in the realm of my foreground. And Joshua said it was this, me and my house. Um, I'm, we're going to serve God. We're going to focus on God. You know, it, it, Joshua was the leader of Israel. He replaced Moses. And he didn't get all haughty about, you know, I'm Moses 2.0. I'm taking this church, yo, up to the new level. I don't know what voice that was. But I'm taking this church up to the new level and we're going to be so much better than everybody else. He's like, no. It really comes down to how life is lived in the foreground. 
And if you live it with enough victories, people will actually invite you into their foreground and ask you to help them. And you connect enough foregrounds together and all of a sudden, guess what changes? Backgrounds begin to change. Master showing up today. So as we go into prayer, in, in this moment of expressions, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and Stacy's gonna talk more about this next week. She's just finding that out right now. Paul said it this way, but to each of you, each of you, implied each of us in context of relationship with Christ, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. That's what's common good. It's the foreground. And that for every one of us, God is giving us the Holy Spirit and empowering us to succeed in the foreground. What about America? What about Christianity? What about the future of the church, Pastor Paul? What about the rapture of the Antichrist? You know what? Just have the Holy Spirit in your foreground. Let it affect the common good and we'll see where we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word because this word was challenging. A few moments it was encouraging. A couple times it was rebuking. Maybe it was you taking control of the camera and showing us, hey, listen, you need to turn off order focus. Stop letting other people determine what you're focused on. Maybe it was time for you to say, you know, listen, I need you to, to live life with my Holy Spirit right here in the foreground. Don't worry about COVID-22. Don't worry about the Republicans or the Democrats or QAnon, whatever that thing is, or BLM, whatever it, that is, and all that stuff out there. It's like, no, how about, how about this is the day that I have made. I want you to be, experience joy in it, and I want you to master being in it. Your wife needs you back. Your husband needs you back. Your workplace needs you back. Your kids, yeah, they're going to need a little bit more than 30 minutes. They need you back. You may be hearing you say, well, I have a really bad background. Well, Joseph did too. But the Holy Spirit will be given to each of us so that we can live life victorious through the power of his spirit for the common good, for life right here in this pool. As for me and my house. And can I just say that I just believe the Holy Spirit is quickening in my mind, the phrase, or just the word me. Okay, and, and uh, uh, golly, there's a dad here. I really believe that God wants you to know it's you. It's you. It's not enough to say, as for my household, like, no, no. As for me, I got to have God in my foreground before I can start controlling my kids' foreground. So if you're a dad here today and, and maybe you disappeared into your career or, or maybe you just disappeared and not somebody didn't show you how to do this and, or, or maybe, you know, you just didn't think you were good enough. 
I tell you, Joseph could have come to the same conclusion, but God had given him a dream. And today, God wants to give you the Holy Spirit to let you know your family moves forward as for you and your household serve the Lord. And you can do it. The Spirit of God is here for the common good, for your good and for your kids' good, for your spouse's good, for your workplace's good. Father God, we repent of our fear. We repent of paying attention to the background when this is the day and you're in it and you're inviting us to master showing up. Let me invite you to come and receive communion. I can't soften the blow of this word that God has spoken to each of us, to every, all the me's in this room. It's not, oh boy, he just put my husband in his place. Shut up. Start, let's just do it with the me's today. Allow God to, and if it hurt today, it's okay. And if it was a little offensive, well, faithful are the wounds of a friend and God's your friend and he's willing to, he's willing to shake us from the background of our culture and bring us back into the future that he wants us to live, the now, the present with his Holy Spirit. Let me invite you. If today you hear the Spirit of God, harden not your hearts and return to him.